0: we're wrapping up a series today called When the Well Goes Dry. And we've looked at those situations in life where your hopes and dreams are shattered, where you're deeply disappointed, or where the bottom just sort of falls out of your life and you're tempted, you're tempted to despair. If you live in this world very long, the well is gonna go dry, so to speak, in some area of your life and it really hurts. I started the series, uh, you may recall, by sharing the experience Debbie and I had at our first home where the well, and this is where the whole idea for the series came from, the well literally went dry shortly after moving in. We were devastated. At that time, that represented for us financial disaster and the collapse of a dream of having a peaceful place to escape the rat race of work and ministry, I mean, We couldn't even shower in our home until a solution was found. For the next six years, we would struggle to find an adequate solution to the water dilemma while trying to lead and guide a growing young church. It was chaotic, to be sure. And on a personal level, when the well went dry, it raised questions about exactly I mean, how much pain will God allow in our lives even when we're seeking him, mind you, with all our heart? And I still keep this rock in my office prominently displayed to this very day. I picked it up from our property just a few days after the well went dry, and I wrote these words on it with a permanent black marker. I wrote, no water, when the well goes dry, will I panic or praise? And I've kept this rock in my office ever since. Well, in this series, we've looked at when the well goes dry on your hopes and dreams, on your marriage, on your health, on your finances, and many other things. But today, today, let's wrap up the series by exploring when the well goes dry on your faith. Now, let me be clear right up front. When I talk about the well going dry on your faith, I do not, I do not mean you've lost your faith. What I'm talking about here is those times when your faith is challenged and when it's hard, really hard. You've been in one of those times before where it's really hard to hang on to faith. When the well goes dry on your faith is that awkward season of waiting from promise to fulfillment. And I want to tell you, living between promise and fulfillment is a tough place to live. But that's precisely where God's people often find themselves living, and it's a season where it's sometimes challenging to hold on to faith. Now, Hebrews 11 is all about people who held tightly to God. They persevered even though they were not seeing or experiencing yet what they had been promised by God. Now, as a pastor, I'm convinced many of you are living in that very season right now. If that's you, God has a word for you today from his word. I pick up in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse one. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. And as you read on in this chapter, the Bible goes on to list 16 people by name who exercised faith. Here they are in order. There's Abel and Enoch and Noah and Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and Moses and Rahab, Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, and Samuel. Those are the 16 whose names are given specifically. And then he refers to numerous others without giving their specific names. Now, what do all these people have in common And what does this have to do with you and with me today? Oh, this is where it really gets good. God's got a word for you today. I want you to catch verse 13 in Hebrews 11. Verse 13 reads, all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on the earth. But then I want you to stick right there in chapter 11 and go with me over starting in verse 32. And what more shall I say? This is is after he's already named several of these people who lived by faith. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets, who by faith, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and and routed foreign armies. Women... Received back their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured and refused to be, be released so that they might gain a better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging, while still others were chained and put in prison. They were stoned, they were sawed in two, they were put to death by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts, mountains, and in caves and holes in the ground. (laughs) In other words, these people he's describing here, their experience on earth was horrific at times. But think about it. They were God's champions, these men and women. And the two verses I want you to focus on because... It's the essence of what I mean by the well going dry on your faith are verse 13 and verse 39. Let's, let's look at these verses now. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. And then verse 39, these were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been Promise. Please note those two summary statements. Both of them say of these marvelous people of faith, they did not receive the things promised. In fact, none of them did, and yet they were still living by faith when they died, and they were all commended for being great people of faith. Now, I just got to stop right there. Is your head spinning yet? Huh? Is this making you a little bit, just a little bit uncomfortable? Here's why I asked that. You see, I don't think what we just read fits with our modern ideas of what faith is about. We want and we expect an unbroken line between the exercise of our faith in God, when we really believe in God, and the results we're looking for when we believe in God. Modern religion is all about getting things from God. We want this for that. Quid pro quo system is what we want. We wanna exercise faith in God and immediately, immediately receive what God promised. Isn't that the way we are these days, many of us? I think that's the vibe among people of faith. Thankfully, thankfully that is often the case. For instance, consider our salvation as an example. When it comes to the finished work of Christ and all he made possible through his atoning death, his burial, his resurrection from the dead, all of that is available, listen, immediately when we trust Christ alone for salvation. Listen, the moment we place our faith in Christ, he forgives all our sin, adopts us into his family, and indwells us by his spirit, and begins to change us from the inside out. Boom, there's no waiting period. No waiting between promise and fulfillment. We don't come to Christ in true repentance to say, oh, Lord, I'd love to have my sins forgiven, but I wonder if it'll take seven or eight years of waiting. No. Forgiveness happens instantaneously. But it's not that way with everything. I hope you're still listening. We must understand there's often a broken line. That's what we're seeing here in chapter 11, a waiting period here, an in-between period from exercising faith and our experience of what we're longing for. And by the way, since many people don't understand this, they get disillusioned with faith. I talk to people on a pretty regular basis who say things like this. Look, I ditched the Christian faith because it didn't work for me. (laughs) Well, wait a minute, what what do you mean it didn't work? I said, well, I had faith in God, I believed God for such and such, and it didn't happen, so I ditched the Christian faith. And when I meet a person who talks like that, you know what I wanna do? I want to introduce them to Noah and Sarah and Abraham and Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel and the prophets. That's what I want to do. I want to make an introduction to these folks because every one of these men and women could testify to us 21st century folks and say, listen, I can tell you what it's like to have that dry well experience on faith. I can tell you what it feels like to trust God with all your heart and you still not experience right now the fullness of God's promise. Think about it for a little bit. Abraham and Sarah had to wait 25 years between the promise of a son and the actual birth of that son. 25 years between promise and fulfillment. Imagine that. Joseph had to wait 500 years for his bones to be buried in Canaan. Of course, he was long dead. He never saw it himself, but he believed it because God had shown it to him. Moses, Moses, as you know, led the Israelites on a 40-year journey through the wilderness, and Moses died just before they got there. Now think of that, think of that. Someone as great as Moses, didn't experience what he spent his life looking for. All these people, verse 13 says, were still living by faith when they died. What does that mean, that they were living by faith? To live by faith means in all circumstances, whatever the discouragement or obstacles, whatever the results, whether you're riding high emotionally or crashing down on a wave emotionally, you live by faith no matter what. So the message in the book of Hebrews is not, well, just believe and you got it all. That's not the message. The message is you believe and you press on with your believing and you dare to keep on believing and you put your faith in God, and you keep on putting your faith in God, and you live by faith in God, whether anything seems at the time to be happening or not, you persevere no matter what. That's the message of the Bible. Now, if you're gonna persevere like that, you need to know certain things about God. The first thing you have to believe, is that God exists. Let's look at chapter 11 again here, verse 6. Verse 6 reads, And without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists. Did you hear that? The first foundation of our faith is that God exists. In other words, it is in God himself. Can I tell you the problem with many modern people? They want the gift more than the giver. Their faith is for things more than it is for God himself. They say, well, I believe God for blank, and then they fill in the blank with whatever they're believing God for. And the problem with that approach is, what if you don't get all the stuff you want? What if you don't get all the stuff you're, quote, believing God for? Maybe you have faith that the pandemic will be over soon, but it persists, what do you do? Or we have faith for financial prosperity and it doesn't materialize, what do you do? We have faith for a marriage to be mended and instead the couple divorces, what do you do in those cases? Or we have faith someone with a fatal disease will be healed and they die. And when those kind of things happen, some people start thinking Christianity is a mere fantasy. It's a nice little fairy tale that helps get people, some people through the day, but it has no real substance in it. It's it's kind of like the emperor with no clothes, you know what I mean? The emperor with no clothes. We keep on sort of believing because we've always believed, but if you if you dare, if you dare to peek behind the curtain, you know what? It's all smoke and mirrors. It's not real. Please listen carefully. True faith is not in some desired temporal outcome God may or may not accomplish. True faith is in God himself. Period. Some of the best and most powerful outcomes God has brought through people's lives were accomplished when God's people were severely tested. So let me, let me go there again. Verse, verse 35, let me go there again and, and read this again. Others were tortured and refused to be released so that they might gain a better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging while others... Still, others were chained and put in prison. They were stoned, they were sawed into, they were put to death by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains and in caves and in holes in the ground. You talk about life on the edge? And yet, every one of these men and women were God's heroes, commended for their faith and yet none of them received what had been promised. So why were they commended for their faith? Because their faith was in God Himself, not simply in what God might do for them. But what was God doing for them? You know what, that's His business. That's God's business. That's God's choice. God is sovereign. And they found their security in who God is, not in what he might or might not be doing for them. That's where we find our security too. Not in our circumstances, but in God himself. Now you say, but, but pastor, come on. Come on, pastor. Now, I got to ask you this, pastor. Is it wrong to expect a reward from God? Well, let's let's look at verse six again, Hebrews 11. Let's find it, verse six. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists, watch this, and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. That verse says God is a rewarder. We place our faith in God even though we may not be chained or imprisoned or stoned or sawn into or put to death by the sword. We may or may not experience hard things like that. All these things we've been reading about here. But that is certainly not the whole story, nor is it the end of the story. God is, hear me again, God is a rewarder of those who seek Him. Caveats, caveats. God is not a rewarder of those who wanna use God for their own selfish purposes. God is not a rewarder of those who pray only when they're in desperate need. God is not a rewarder of those who think God is a cosmic vending machine who owes them something. But God is a rewarder. God is a rewarder of those who earnestly seek Him according to verse six. Question, is that you? Does that describe your faith and your relationship with God? Listen, that is not a passive laissez-faire relationship. It is active and alive where we're earnestly seeking Him. We seek Him when our health is good and we seek Him when our health is not good. We seek Him when our marriage is fun and when it's crappy. Crappy is a Hebrew word that means pretty bad, okay? We seek Him when our finances are soaring and we can hardly pay our bills. No matter how delicious or disastrous life may be, we keep on seeking God. That is the brilliance, by the way, of Job. You remember we studied Job's experience earlier in this series, and Job made this declaration Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? Do you know when Job made that declaration? Do you know when he said that? He'd just been to the funeral of his 10 children. His entire workforce who labored for him so faithfully, he'd just lost all of his livestock and worldly goods. He said that after the well had gone dry on his health and he was afflicted with painful boils from head to toe. (laughs) Job looked at God and interpreted his circumstances by what he knew about God. Now, most people do the opposite, friend. Listen now, listen. Most people do the opposite. Most people, most people look at their circumstances and they interpret God by their circumstances. Here's what they do. Well, what I'm going through is really painful. Therefore, God is unloving and doesn't care. That's not what Job did. Job looked at God and interpreted his circumstances by what he knew about God. God is good, therefore, I should be patient and persevere because my good God is up to something really awesome through all of this, although I cannot see it yet. And that is the response of mature Christ follower. I believe, I, I, I believe I'm speaking to people today who feel God has let you down. You feel God has made promises to you that have not come to pass. You do. You feel God whispered something to your spirit in a quiet moment, and yet you've waited and waited and you've not seen that fulfillment. Some of you sense God gave you a vision, perhaps, and it, it simply has not materialized. The essence of genuine faith, according to Hebrews eleven six, 6, is to believe that God exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. But you also accept that there are many blessings that are not yet visible to you. Do you believe that? Do you believe God has many blessings that are not yet visible to you? You see, there's so much that we cannot yet see. Jesus said, my Father is always working, and one of the greatest joys of heaven, friend, will be to have that curtain drawn back. Oh, you're gonna love this moment. When the curtain is drawn back and all the things that you're struggling with all the things you don't understand. And suddenly, you're gonna be able to see how God was working invisibly behind the scenes and you will rejoice and marvel at the wisdom of God. So let me ask you, (laughs) when the well goes dry on your faith, what will you do? This rock I keep in my office reminds me that I've got a choice to make. Really. Every time something is happening in my life that is not good, or at least it doesn't seem good, it's unpleasant, maybe painful, something I would have never chosen in a million years, some proverbial curveball life is throwing my way, every time that happens, I have a choice. When the well goes dry, will I panic or praise? You see, how I respond when the well goes dry says a whole lot about my understanding of who God is and what God is doing. There's a story about a plane crash survivor marooned on a deserted island He prayed earnestly that God would help him endure the elements and eventually spare his life. Every morning, he knelt and prayed for God's blessing as he worked and worked diligently to prepare a suitable shelter that would sustain him in the upcoming winter season. And weeks later, the shelter was completed. He gave God thanks for answered prayer. But that very night, lightning hit his makeshift cabin and it burned completely to the ground. At that point, the distraught survivor broke down and wrestled with serious doubts. His faith was shattered. How could a good God have let this happen? Why would God leave the impression of blessing every day and then, and then allow a fire to dash his hopes to pieces? Just a few hours later, the captain of a passing ship motored up to shore and explained, hey, we saw your smoke signal and we came to rescue you. (laughs) When you are going through your toughest struggles with your marriage, your family, your faith, even when your heart is breaking and your world is falling apart, God is at work even when we cannot see it even in the middle of the worst storm, he can come to save you. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His techniques are not our techniques. And his timing is definitely not our timing. But even though we may not understand what God is doing, we can still trust his character because he is good and he rewards those who earnestly Seek Him. You know what I believe? I really believe this pandemic has thrown us into some of the most difficult days we've ever seen. Confusion, stress, anxiety, cultural calamity are all around us. But I fully anticipate we will look back on this season years from now and marvel at the people who were saved, the addictions that were conquered, the marriages deepened, the churches transformed, and the vaccines discovered as a result of this tragedy. We we, we may not see all of that now, but I'm quite confident we will in the future. And when we look back, we'll be reminded once again of what we know to be true. Even when life is hard, God is good. Do you believe that? No matter how many tears may fall, for the true Christian, the last word and the lasting word will be joy. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for the testimony and the example of all these great men and women of faith who persevered and held on even when their faith was challenged, even when the well went dry. Lord, even though in this physical life they didn't get to see all the fulfillment of the promise, I thank you that they are now with you as we will be one day and we will all celebrate and rejoice together. Father, I thank you for calling us to live the kind of life that it's not for cowards. It's for people who are strong and courageous. And I thank you that even when we feel we can't hold on any longer and some of of those listening feel that way right now, I thank you that in those very moments we can draw on your strength and you carry us through. We praise you for that. And we thank you in Jesus' name, amen.